0: Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Good, morning. good morning. I'm very excited about the snow this morning. <laughs> I took photographs and videos the whole way in here. I think Johnny was thinking, ah, what's this guy up to? But it is so good to be back in, in Montana and with you and Helena. And thank you for coming out this morning. It's been over two years since I've been here. Um, and it was yeah, December 2021, I think. So time flies, but thank you for having me uh, this morning. I want to just bring greetings from South Africa, uh, particularly from Leon and Chanel. I mean, Leon and Chanel and Lushandre, uh, who you had for a couple months. They say, huh? Um, And Leon is pretty jealous that he's not here with me this time. He had a great time with you last, last year when he was out, and he's very excited to come back. So, and I can, I can see why. We've had a great couple of days. I went up with JR, to join Bob and his team with the men's rally, Um, and we really had a good time away. It was great to see a little bit more of Montana as well, and get to know some of you a a little bit better. So thank you for having me. I want to start off by just saying a a huge thank you for your partnership with us uh, in the gospel. Uh, The gospel is made up of partnerships all around the world. For 2,000 years, that's the way it's been. Paul thanked the the Philippians 2,000 years ago. He said, I thank God for our partnership in the gospel that we have together. The task God has given us all is a huge task, to declare his glory among the nations to every tribe and language. And no one church, no one group can do that, can bring God the glory he so deserves. And so we need partnership. And for a number of years now, we've been friends. Met JR in 2015, I think it was initially, to 2016. And, and we were chatting about when, when you guys came out and Janie came out. We went down to the coast. 2016, my, my littlest was just a little baby then, and now she's pretty getting big. Well, she thinks she's big. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have a, a friendship that has been growing and growing through the years that's developed and developing into a partnership that is having a real impact in the nations. So thank you. Thank you for your generosity uh, over the last few years. Thank you for sending guys uh, to JR coming across. And where's Ethan? Is he here this morning? Ethan Kenny? There he is. Ethan's coming this week to join us in South Africa for two months. And I've never met Ethan in person, only on a Zoom. So it'll be great to meet you afterwards. But uh, Leon and Ethan have been chatting for a while, and he's coming across to serve us for two months and have a bit of an adventure, have a taste of what we're doing, a bit of travel, getting involved in the local church where we are as well. Thank you, Helena, for sending him, Mount Helena, for sending him to us. The other amazing partnership that uh, is birthing through our friendship is one in Malawi, which you guys have heard about, Davy Zunda, through his relationship and friendship with Brandon um, and Leon, and one of my other colleagues, Gareth, went and spent some time with Davy Zunda last year, and uh, had an amazing time with him and his Bishop, the guy who leads the family of churches that Davies are part of. And God seems to be doing something really amazing in connecting our hearts with, with this group of churches in the country of Malawi and also Zambia. And so I'm hoping, God willing, to be there in a couple of months. But really, we only met them because of our friendship with you. Partnership is amazing when we work together for Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Could you open your Bibles or read on the screen? Daniel chapter 2 this morning. What's so funny? Kind of loud, it's okay. Oh, the sack was loud. All right, I better not do that. Will you help me if I do anything else that's slightly embarrassing? Okay, thank, thanks, Jenny. Joe, I did ask that I teach you guys to speak proper English while I'm here as well. But I, I've only got 30 minutes. So I doubt I'm going to get far with you. With, with, so I won't drink my water anymore. Is that right? My water. My water. <laughs> Paul is drinking his water. (laughs) Anyway, here we go. I want to speak to you about the kingdom of God this morning. And this scripture, I remember the first time, well, maybe it wasn't the first time, one of the first times I read this and heard someone teach about this, it gripped my heart. I came from a small town, much smaller than Helena. I know you guys think Helena is a smallish town. This is huge. You've got traffic lights everywhere. It's amazing. I came from a town with no traffic lights, and I went to a church that came out of that town. And sometimes out of a small town, you have small town thinking. You kind of think, you know, a hundred miles away to the nearest big city is a long way. You got to gear up, dress smart to go there. Um, That's how we grew up. And a lot of my thinking, especially as a believer, was real small time thinking. It was, hey, the gospel is just about me and Jesus. It's just about me not being a bad boy anymore and trying to straighten out some of my ways and being good enough to hopefully cross a line one day and get to heaven. That, to me, I grew up on that gospel, an anemic gospel that was so small that had to do with behavioral change. And thankfully, as I got into my 20s and and got exposed to great churches like this, I discovered the gospel is a whole lot more than just an easy ticket to heaven. The gospel is the good news about the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God on earth, not just in my little life, but in the nations of the world. I want to quickly try and take you on that adventure this morning that I went on. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, the story is King Nebuchadnezzar was a, a king of Babylon, a great king, and the Israelites were in, um, what were the Israelites in, JR? Pay attention. Yeah, what were they? They were in captivity. captivity. There we go. That's helping me. The jet lag is still wearing off, but I'm getting there. So the Israelites were in captivity. And uh, they, they were there, and a, little, a lot of the young Israelites, as you, some of you will know, had become kind of uh, civil servants in, in the service of the king. And one of them was this young guy, Daniel. And uh, Daniel, God raised up to be a great, a great prophet. But he was a civil servant of real stature and influence within, within the kingdom of Babylon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And it troubles him, this dream, because he can't understand it. And it comes to his attention that Daniel's a man who can interpret dreams. And so he calls for Daniel. And Daniel says, No no man can do that, but my God can. And then he interprets this dream. And here I want to pick up where he starts interpreting the dream. He says, You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you. And its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out, but not by human hand, and it struck the image on its feet, and and the silver and the gold altogether were broken in pieces. And became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar was troubled. Kings seem insecure by nature. They seem to know someone's coming after them. And and he was insecure and troubled and frightened by this dream. And Daniel then went and explained to him what it meant. He said, he said you, O king, are, are, the, are the head of gold, a great kingdom. Babylon was a great kingdom. But he says, after you will come another, another kingdom of silver, and then another kingdom of, of bronze, another kingdom of iron, and then a kingdom of, of iron mixed with, with, with clay. Those kingdoms we know from history existed. First was Babylon. Followed by Media, the, the, the Medes were the next kingdom, who were also a great kingdom, but not as great as Babylon. Followed by Persia, and then and then Greece, and then finally Rome, the, the kingdom of Rome. The Romans came, and then he picks up in verse forty-four again. Daniel says, "And in the days of those kings, speaking of the time of the Romans, in the days of those kings, that, that, that kingdom that is so harsh but brittle, the God of heaven." the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Daniel was prophesying hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, not just our personal savior, but the one who was to reestablish God's kingship over all the earth. Can I take you on a quick history lesson? God created us Right in the beginning, to be with us, why are we here today? Why did God create man and and this earth? And sometimes we look around and we see all the trouble and we think, and and we have trouble inside, pain, and confusion. We think, Why do I even exist? Why am I here? Well, let me tell you, God created us in the beginning so that He could be with us and share His amazing goodness and His love with us. You were created to be an object of God's love, He that's the sole purpose you were created that God could love you and he could share with you his incredible beauty and his power and his holiness and his love. And he created mankind. He put us in a garden and we lived, Adam and Eve, this is not just a story, this is true, I believe. We, Adam and Eve lived in fellowship with God in the most pure way that we have no understanding of. But we know the story, don't we? Adam and Eve fell, they rebelled. The fall was a rebellion against God's authority, against God's kingship, and they chose to do what they wanted over what God had said to them, and sin came into the world, and sin destroyed that intimacy that we had with God, that God intended for each one of us today to have with them. Sin came in, and because we are just like Adam and Eve, and you would have done exactly the same thing, trust me, and my kids say to me, Dad, why did Adam go and do that? I'm sure if it was me, this is my 12-year-old, I'm sure I wouldn't have done that and eaten that apple. I said, my boy, I've known you for 12 years. I guarantee you, you would have gone and done that. But, um, but, but our nature, we, we're children of Adam. And because of that, we're born in sin. And because of that, all of us personally have, have, have this barrier that's come between us and God. It's not right. And this world that we live in is not right. It is sick. It is broken because of the sin of mankind. Bible tells us that it's not just humans, it's the whole world, it's the whole system. So you turn on your news or look on your news feed, and you just see brokenness in everywhere you look. That is not God's fault. That's our fault. That's our fault. This is the gospel, friends. This is the the good news of the kingdom. Doesn't sound good now. The good news is this: that God so loved us that He made a plan, didn't He? John 3:16. All right, you know that. God so loved us that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, but it wasn't just for us. And sometimes, you know, I I love celebrating Jesus' salvation in my life. I love it. I'm so grateful we sing songs about what Jesus has done for us, and that's good. But do you know it's possible to to get stuck at that point? Jesus did far more than come and just die for your sins and my sins. So often, those of us in the West, not just the West, all over the world. We've made the gospel in a kind of a get, kind of get rich scheme or, or get right scheme, quick kind of scheme. It's something, it comes as a little personal thing that Jesus came, and I've, I've said this, I've preached this, maybe you've said it, if you were the only person on the world today, Jesus would have died for you. Have you ever said that before, anyone? Have you heard that said? Yes. So far, and that's true to a degree, but it kind of, it's not the whole truth. Jesus didn't just die for your sins to be forgiven. He died to set right what was broken in the universe, and that was rebellion against God. Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom of God all through Scripture, all the way through. We see God in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Jesus spoke about the kingdom over a 100 times. He spoke about being born again once. He spoke about being saved 17 times. He spoke about the kingdom of God more than 100 times. It was the biggest topic of Jesus' conversation, of his teaching, was the kingdom, which is the rule and reign of God on earth through his people. That's what consumed Jesus. After Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, he spent 40 days with his, with his disciples, 40 odd days. Do you know what he about, taught about? The kingdom. He taught them about the kingdom. It tells us in the book of Acts. He taught them about the kingdom, about his rule and his reign. This all started, really, this, this restoration job started with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, we see the call of Abraham. The world's in chaos. Noah's just built his ark and, uh, and saved mankind from its absolute sin and depravity. And yet he then goes and falls into sin straight away. And you think, man, we are a, we are a useless lot, mankind. We really are. And then God says, but I'm gonna I start again. And he chooses this moon worshiper, Abraham, from the east. And he re- chooses in grace to reveal himself to Abraham. And he promises Abraham. He says, I'm gonna take you from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. And I'll make you of you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That promise comes again and again and again in the Old Testament. It comes to his son Isaac, to his grandson Jacob, and again to the people of Israel, all through the Old Testament. In one way, the Old Testament is is, is a history of God reaching out to his people and his people rejecting him. Of God trying to catch his people Israel, up into his purposes and them rejecting him and becoming proud and obstinate and insular. God's intention was always that He would favor a people, Israel, to show the world what it would look like to be restored to God again. It wasn't that, he, that Israelites were any better. They weren't any more holy. They weren't any more deserving than any of the other people around them. He chose in his grace a people to bless and to be amongst so that they would be a blessing to the rest of the world. Again and again, right from the start, he says that all families on earth will be blessed through you. Israel got this wrong constantly. They became proud of what they had. They became shut off and they became racist towards the tribes around them. And, and, and they forgot the purpose that God had called them to, to be a blessing to the ends of the earth. The Psalms is full of it. The Psalms is full of, of the Psalmist talking about the nations. And when we hear that word nations or families or tribes, it means one thing, I'm sure you know this. It doesn't mean a, a geopolitical country like the United States. It's an ethno-linguistic group. It's a people group who have distinct language or culture. And, uh, and, and in the world today, we're told there's something like 17,000 people groups, maybe 200 countries, But 17,000 nations of people who are unique in some way, made unique by God, special to God in a way, and and, and having ability to reflect the glory of God like no one else. That's why we have the diversity we have around us in different tribes and languages and and, and different places, because we are able to reflect the goodness and the glory of God in, in different ways. So this theme goes throughout Scripture. Isaiah 49, for me, it reaches a high point. Isaiah says, it is, it, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, prophesying now a for Jesus. It's too small a thing that you should just be there for the sake of Israel and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Friends, if God is doing one thing in the world today, it's gathering for himself a people from every tribe, every language, every nation around the world, everywhere. Friends, that is the real news today. You know, if you you turn on whatever you, I I was gonna mention CNN, but I, I don't think I should mention CNN in this part of the world. I won't then, okay. Fox News or whatever you want to turn on, <laughs> whatever you turn on, and you look at world news, you honestly have to ask yourself, what is going on? What is going, what is going to happen in the Middle East? I'm due next month to go to the country of Armenia, which borders Syria and Iran. I'm thinking, uh, all
1: right, let's see what happens.
0: Let's just see what happens there before I rush off. My wife said, "Yeah, let's just hang on a bit till you book your ticket. But friends, I want to encourage you, the real news today is not what you see on, on, BB, on BBC, there we go, or CNN, or Fox News, honestly. It's not. It's what God's doing in the world today. It's what He's doing. And it hasn't changed. For thousands of years, God has been doing one thing. Till we, since we messed up, we flopped. Since then, God has been working to restore us to him, but not just us who have been privileged enough to have heard the gospels, maybe grown up in a so-called Christian home or a so-called Christian nation. Some of you have been believers for decades and decades. You raise your children in in, in ways where from a young age, they, they are saved. Praise God. But you know, it's not enough that just we know about Jesus. His intent is that every tribe would know about him. That everyone around the world would have an opportunity, every tribe, every language, an opportunity to praise Jesus, just like we've done this morning, and sing these amazing songs that we've had this morning. And I know this to be fact. I have a friend from Yemen now. I've made a friend from Yemen. He's had to move out of Yemen. And you look at Yemen, you think, oh, my goodness, what is going to happen there? They bomb a ship. You guys bomb 50 things back. They bomb another ship. You bomb a whole boat. You think, where's this going to go? Like, what is happening? I have a friend from Yemen, he leads a church, he has a church in Yemen, he had to flee for his safety, he now lives in Egypt, but he said to me, Paul, the church is alive in Yemen, a country where it says it's like 0.1% Christian, there are believers in that place, like you and me, who have the same hope that we have in Jesus. Iran, which seems to be the big bad wolf at the moment, probably is, you know, Christianity is growing in Iran 20 times faster than it's growing here in the United States, Twenty times faster. It's the fastest-growing uh, country in the world. Uh, um, fastest-growing uh, Christian rate in the world. In Iran, Afghanistan is going through the most terrible persecution at the moment. You know what you don't see in the news since you guys pulled out a few years ago? Thousands and thousands of church leaders have been killed. I've got friends who work into Afghanistan, and they have lost. There's one friend. They've lost over hundred leaders who are leading small churches, house churches, since the Taliban have taken over again. But the gospel is going forward. But in the midst of suffering and pain and persecution, people are being saved. People are coming into a loving, knowing relationship with Jesus. That is the real news. We don't even talk about China anymore. Remember a few years back, it was all China, China, and the gospel getting to China, there's probably there's more believers in China, they say, than there are in the United States today. Praise God. That would have been impossible 20, 30 years ago. You don't see this in the news, folks. But it's happening all around the world, wherever I go. I don't know people in Palestine, but I can guarantee you the spirits at work in that place. And people are being saved. And the kingdom of God is coming. And friends, it always comes through pain. and and suffering and persecution. For 2,000 years, the church has advanced, not in spite of persecution, but because of persecution. Many of your ancestors came to this land because of religious persecution, didn't they? In Europe, and they wanted a free place, and they came here and set up this great nation on these godly Christian principles, and you've been a blessing to the earth. But it's been that way for 2,000 years. Not that we shouldn't shouldn't be concerned with what's happening in, around the world. We should be. We should pray for our brothers and sisters and, and help where we can, where we can. But we must realize this is all part of God's plan. God's not panicking. God's, God's not worried about what the stock market's going to do and what's going to happen in your elections this year. He knows. He holds the whole world in your hand, in His hands. It's not a kids, it's not a, it's not a Kingdom Kids or Kids Ministry song. He really holds the whole world in his hands. He knows what's going on in the nations. Psalm 2, he says, why do the nations rage and the people's plots in vain? The kings of this earth set themselves up against, against God and said, let us burst their bonds apart. But what is God's response? It says, God laughs at them. He holds them in derision. And he says, as for me, I've set my king on Zion. God has set his king in place. His name is Jesus, and he's not just your personal savior, but he is the king of all the earth, and he rules. And today, in 2024, he is moving around the world, gathering for himself a people for the glory of his name. I promise you that. Paul says in in, in Colossians 1, verse 6, he says, All over the world, the gospel is growing and bearing fruit. All over the world. That was 2,000 years ago. Friends, that's my testimony to you this morning. All over my little world where I travel, I see the gospel growing and bearing fruit. Just in in our small little Issachar world, this month, February, our friends in Pakistan, they lead over 40 churches there. One family, two sons and their father have 40 churches representing 4,000 to 5,000 people. And they live in the most Christianized part of Pakistan. It's 2% Christian. Um, it's not easy. Two years ago, three years ago, two of, two of them were killed. Two of the pastor's brothers were killed. They, a month ago, six weeks ago now, they had their car burnt out and guys came in on a Sunday morning like this, came in, uh, Islamic militants came in and said, if you meet you again, we kill all of you. Shut down the meeting and get out. And so, but that's the easiest place in Pakistan to be a Christian. These young guys, they're in their late 20s. They said to me, they've been working in a Walmart call center. So who knows? Maybe you spoke to them once or twice in your life. They work night shift in Pakistan, helping guys in the States with their Walmart orders. But they are mighty men of God. And they've been saying to me, Paul, we long to get back home. We long to be with my dad so that we can go and preach the gospel where it hasn't been preached. In other states where there are no Christians. He says, we know we're probably going to lose our lives preaching the gospel. We'd rather do that actively than on our way to a call center one day for work. So this month, Zenos and Artemis, the two brothers, are going to sin. They've quit their jobs. We were able, someone, someone passed away, a friend of ours in, in Denver, his mother-in-law passed away. I don't know how happy he was about that, but I was pretty happy because he said, she left us money and I want to give you $10,000. And we said, Praise God, we have a need, and we've sent it straight to Pakistan, and it's going to pay for Zenus and Artemis for the next six months to take the gospel to Sin State, which is a state which is 0.1% Christian. In some places, they've never seen electricity. They're going up there to preach the gospel. The gospel is growing and bearing fruit, friends. I've just come from, um, from Myanmar which used to be called Burma. Uh, For some of you who would remember the country of Burma, it's near Thailand and China and Bangladesh. And we worked with an incredible family, a man there. His name is Ong. He's about that big. Uh, (laughs) I was like a giant in the land. I I had kids taking photographs of me in the street. Um, But in a Buddhist nation there that's seen civil war for decades and decades, and particularly in the last six months, civil war's kicked off again. And, and all the travel advisors say, you can't go. And my wife and I were there in, in December, just in the capital. And we had an amazing time with the most special, gentle people I've ever been amongst who've suffered for Jesus. And yet gather young people, young people uh, in their early 20s, passionate for Jesus, laying their lives down. And they're planting churches. They've planted five churches in the last year in, in, in Myanmar, Last month, a friend of ours in Tanzania went and planted one guy, went and planted four churches. I was like, what do you mean you planted four churches on one trip? He said, no, I I knew this area, and there were villages, and I knew some people. He went and spent two weeks there, and he planted four churches in the two weeks of there. Just incredible. Everywhere we go, friends, the gospel is growing and bearing fruit. I want to encourage you. Sometimes it's easy to get stuck in our own issues, in our own little world, our own problems. And we all have problems. We all have doubts and insecurities and challenges and pain and confusion and, and, and financial issues. We all have these things. These friends of mine in these countries, they also have them. they just like us. They also doubt and, and, and have challenges. But God is moving in spite of our weakness. In spite of it. And I want to encourage you, man, Helena, and say thank you. Well done for helping those guys via us, those guys, to do the stuff that we can't go do. I'm not signing up to go live in Pakistan. I'm just really not. I stick out there as well. Leon and I were there a few years ago. Leon just fits in wherever he goes. If you remember, Leon, he grew his beard out a bit like in the Muslim way. I was like, dude, you should come to Montana with that beard. Anyway. (laughs) I did say at the men's conference, I didn't think anyone would take me seriously because I never had a beard. Um, but at least I think there were a couple of other guys without beards. But, but I, I'm terrified of that. And I don't understand the culture and, uh, and, and understand the customs. Some of the food is great. Some of it's not. But there are guys there who are doing it and can't do it unless we come alongside and partner with them and help them. I spoke earlier about partnership. Jesus is bringing us to partner together for his glory. And it's not building one man's empire. It's not building one name. It's building the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me move quickly. Revelation um, chapter seven. We sang this earlier. I didn't know we were going to be singing this. I got so excited when that kind of thing happens. Revelation seven. John has this incredible vision of heaven, of Jesus in heaven. And... um, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and that fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to God forever and ever. Friends, you and I, we're gonna be at this party one day. You know that? We are gonna be, we're not just gonna sing about it like we did this morning. One day, those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, we will be part of that party, says all the saints from every tribe. There will be guys with big beards and tats from Montana, right there. (laughs) Maybe you guys would have done the hunting for the feast. I don't know. I hope, like, being in Myanmar, I hope they do the food, because I love that kind of Thai, East Asian food. Maybe the Africans will lead the worship. Probably not you guys leading the worship, but... (laughs) But I like this morning. I can't sing at all. But you know, we are all going to be there one day. And let me tell you, else who, who, tell you who else is going to be there. There are going to be people from Burma, from, from, from amongst the Burmese, who are going to be there one day because of your faithfulness in prayer and your faithfulness in giving and joining in on God's great mission. There are gonna be people from the Bajuni tribe on the east coast of Africa, there. There are gonna be people from all sorts of tribes in Pakistan, there. Because you and I were willing to be faithful and trust Jesus with all we have so that he could do all he's doing in the nations today. You see, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God exercised through his people. God has always chosen to use people Always. God could do that and fix all our problems in the world today. But does he? No. He uses people. Jesus got 12 disciples. and He discipled them and sent them to go and make more disciples to make more disciples so that this gospel of the kingdom could spread and spread. He always uses people. Sometimes I think, God, what were you thinking? Look how unreliable we are And yet he chooses chooses us. And that's part of the amazing privilege that we have as believers. We can partner with God in these things. Friends, I I, I cannot wait. My kids say, dad, don't say that. But I say, I cannot wait to be with Jesus one day. For this day, I cannot wait to see Jesus face to face without all my muck that kind of gets in the way and my doubts and my hurt and pain, my disbelief. One day I'm going to be with them face to face. And from all over the world, from every tribe, there will be people there. And many of them will be there. It's ridiculous even saying this. Many of them will be there because God chose to use me and chose to use you to get them there. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you need a purpose for your life, if you you need something to live for, isn't that an amazing thing to live for? For the glory of God in the nations today? that he would be worshiped by everyone around the world i can't wait for that day friends i really can't but you know there's a lot of work left there's a lot of work left there's a lot of good stuff's going on and i've shared a little bit about it uh, there's a lot of work left out of the 16,000 or so uh, tribes nations in the world today more than 7,000 of those nations remain totally unreached with the gospel More than 40% of the world's population, more than 4 billion people live in a tribe, have grown up in a tribe that there is no Christian witness in. Now, I'm not talking about people who have heard the gospel and rejected Jesus. I'm not talking about that. We're surrounded by folk like that here. They live in a place where no one they know knows anybody who knows anybody who's ever heard the name of Jesus. They can't worship not because they don't want to worship the king, because no one has ever come and told them about that. So almost half the world's population live in that situation, and it's just not right. It's just not right. I mean, after what I've shared with you, surely you must, that's just not right. God is so amazing. He's so awesome. He is the king. How is it right that nearly half the world's population have no chance of even hearing and being able to make a decision. These places that are left are the poorest and the most dangerous places on earth. They are for a reason, because when Jesus comes into his place and his kingdom comes, it changes things. It changes things. His rule through you and I changes society. God is using you, Mount Helena, to change Helena and Montana and your nation hear the way you work, the way you do school, the way you treat one another, the way you treat those who are poor amongst you the, way you, the way you live brings the kingdom, the rule and reign of God. And you need to do that. And you need to keep doing that. And I need to do that where I live. and I need to keep doing that. But together, we need to go to places where no one has the opportunity to hear about Jesus. And I'm just so excited about our our partnership with you guys. Again, I want to say thank you for partnering with us to make this possible. I work with the most incredible men and women. Like I said, I ain't going to go live there. If I went to Somalia, I, I, I don't think I'd see the evening. I'd be dead by the evening. But I've got friends who've moved to Kenya on the Somali border, and they've been going for two years now. These guys know Jeremy and Laura. They live there with their three daughters befriending local churches in Kenya and are starting to have impact heading towards Somalia, which is a lawless place. You see, we need one another. We need partnership as we see the Great Commission fulfilled. So thank you again and well done on all that you've done. And I really, really look forward to partnering more and more together in the future. Yes. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jared.